Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. On this episode of Brilliant Thoughts, we've got Susan McPherson. She's a serial connector, seasoned communicator, and founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies. She just authored a new book called The Lost Art of Connecting, the Gather, Ask, Do Method for Building Meaningful Relationships. Now, Susan has 25 years plus experience in marketing, public relations, sustainability communications, and she's speaking regularly at industry conferences and contributing to the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Forbes, and she's also appeared on NPR, CNN, and been featured on USA Today, The New Yorker, The New York Magazine, Los Angeles Times. You get it. She's been everywhere. And the coolest thing about Susan is that she actually truly connects with people at a level where people remember her. And she's going to offer that to you in this interview. So let's jump in. Welcome to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. And today I have a serial connector. Her name is Susan McPherson. Thanks for being with us, Susan. How are you? I am so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm well, truly. I love it. Well, look, I read your book and I took notes. <gasps> I, I'm now I love, nervous. <laughs> I love, love, love your book. By the way, if you're listening in, the book's called The Lost Art of Connecting, and it's extremely pertinent to the world we're living in right now to continually progress as leaders, entrepreneurs, and just just overall relationships. It doesn't matter where you're at. So now, tell me about, there was at the very beginning, all right, we're going to start at the very beginning, even before the <laughs> book actually starts. There's a section to it, and I thought, well, why don't we talk about this because it, it, it it's the basis of everything here. You said, mm-hmm. you mentioned your mom, Beryl. Am I pronouncing yeah. the name right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. So tell me about your mom, Beryl, because you dedicated the book to her. Yeah. Well, um, I grew up with a serial connector as a mom and to a certain extent, my dad as well. My mother worked in uh, public relations for PBS And my dad was a college professor who taught for 40 years at a woman's college. And I just have to give you the side note that he not only taught, would teach women, but he would then have their daughters and then their granddaughters. And he would stay in touch with all of them. But the difference is my dad lived a lot longer. And sadly, my mother was um, tragically killed in in a a godforsaken horror um, at the DuPont Plaza Hotel fire, which happened on New Year's Eve, 1986, going into 87. Yes. And I had just turned 22 at the time. Um, And, you know, we tend to saint people, of course, when they tragically disappear from us. But um, at her memorial service, which was about three weeks later, um, 600 people showed up during a nor'easter in upstate New York. So that gives you a bit of an idea of what kind of human she was. But in the 21 years I got to live with her, I witnessed a woman that would literally sit before the five local newspapers every morning, along with yesterday's New York Times and a scissors. And she'd be madly clipping and cutting and then putting the actual print articles into envelopes and then typing on her manual typewriter and saying, thinking of you, cousin Harry or colleague Joan or reporter Jim at the Albany Times Union and off it would go. And my assumption was everybody did that. And boy, that wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting. I did dedicate the book to her though. So thank you. That was lovely of you to mention. Well, that, that's so impactful because as you read the book, you bring up your your mom and dad. So I was like, that's that's pretty cool. So now let's go into relationships. What what relationships have shaped you in your later years? Not earlier, because we've got your mom and your dad, yeah. right? Super impactful. But as you were growing into this leader now building this amazing company that you have writing this book, yeah. what what shaped that, Susan? Wow. Wow. You know, I, I have to say multitudes of people. 
Um, and, you know, throughout the book, I do cite people along the way. Um, I had an extraordinary uh, kind of, I wouldn't have even known to call her a mentor, but one of my first bosses in who hired me in 89 at a company called PR Newswire, who literally taught me everything there is to know about sales. Okay. Um, and totally flipped that complete kind of stereotype that we tend to think of salespeople. And what she taught me was it wasn't about selling. It was about understanding what is important to other people and then helping mm-hmm. solve whatever problem or help them realize their dreams or their goals. So in other words, you're not pushing anything. You are basically just allowing them to fulfill whatever it is that he, she, or they want to. And I joke in the book that in 1990, we used to drive the 405 freeway in Southern California, which given you live in Malibu, you know, and we would have to pull our cars off to the side of the road and use payphones to call the touch it base with, with, with um, prospects and clients. But I also at that time learned the importance of reaching out to people, not when you needed something. In other words, just checking in for the sake of checking in so that when it was time to maybe ask them for their business or ask them to quote unquote buy something, there was already this, I don't want to say deep relationship, but a meaningful relationship that ha- that stood on legs. And therefore, when you then came to them with the opportunity to work with you, engage with you, it was, it was like it was already, you know, set in motion. And I learned that from her. And believe it or not, her name is Nancy Sells. And <laughs> she, <laughs> she went on. I mean, she is still, she now is a sales trainer for the global company Richardson. So um, wow. I, did, I did learn quite a bit from her. Um, and then over the years, I mean, I, gosh, you know, as you get older, there are lots happened, right? Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a constantly curious person. Like all I want to do is learn everything that I don't know. And in doing so, that has led me down so many different paths, whether it's, you know, volunteering, whether it's philanthropic, whether it is, um, you know, joining the nonprofit boards, et cetera. So it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed to actually pick specific people. All right. Are there any instances you can go back and say, hey, being in this place at this time really changed sure. my perspective? Sure. Um, one of the things I did whenever I would move to a new town or a new city is I would get involved in a nonprofit organization to ground me, to actually oh. meet other people, to, to meet people who weren't like me, but maybe had the similar values as I did. Um, and also learn things that I could then take back to whatever profession I was practicing at the time. And in 2003, I moved to New York City from Seattle. I didn't know anyone, and I knew I needed to start building connections. And I joined an organization um, called the Business Council for Peace. Um, It also goes by Be Peace. It had been founded right after 9-11, and it was essentially a network of mainly women, some men, but business professionals that were pooling their business acumen, their business knowledge, and sharing that with women entrepreneurs in post-conflict countries. So Afghanistan, Rwanda, El Salvador. And in 2005, I had the privilege and opportunity to go to Afghanistan and actually work with directly on the ground women entrepreneurs who were running companies and actually building businesses. And the mantra of the organization was more jobs equals less violence. Mm -hmm. Meaning the more stability, the more jobs created, the less likelihood the country was going to fall back into. Okay, Mm. It was one little thing. But I will tell you, Tristan, that was the first time I actually witnessed in real time business being a force for good. And that set me really on my way to crystallize a career in corporate responsibility, social impact, etc., so um, it was a really moving experience, um, obviously both, you know, witnessing what I saw on the ground, but also seeing people galvanize that acumen, right? It wasn't about writing checks. It was about mm-hmm. what knowledge can we transfer to others? I love that. That's pretty powerful to witness that yeah. because it almost changes the perspective that that the majority of people have growing up, which is businesses are bad. They want to take wow. your money, yeah. right? So I love that. That's pretty powerful. You, you mentioned... 
You mentioned uh, Nancy Sell says you're you're actually solving a problem, right? You're not selling yeah. it. Yeah. Really, yeah. really reminiscent of um, Seth Godin. So oh, I thought that of was, course. Well, yeah, and he but, he gave me a beautiful blurb for the book. I saw that. I was like, <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. All right. So here's here's something that I thought while you were talking because you mentioned the approach of solving a problem and then really not not going directly at who you want to connect with, with, hey, hey, I'm important, pay attention to me, and I have something to sell. Uh, so often when when I meet with people and I connect with them and they give me their cell phone number, we text, I, I wait for a very long time to ask. And I know you talk about the ask. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so many people, instead of waiting for the right moment, they just go ahead and then just say, hey, blah, 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 blah. They yeah. kind of vomit. Yeah. And I, I think that's, <laughs> it's terrible. It's the wrong approach. Yeah. Tell me how, tell me how you come across the, the right opportunity. Do you create the opportunity? Do you wait for it? What does that look like? Well, obviously it, it's going to be different through every instance, but what I fervently believe is if you build kind of the, the relationship and over time you maybe offer to help rather than ask. That when it comes time to ask, oh my God, it's so much easier. I also believe that it is almost safer and more effective to have a series of asks, right? Where, you know, there are little, little bits along the way, but it's never just one sided. I mean, one of the themes you might recall, Tristan, from the book is always leading with, how can I be of help? How can I be of service? And it's funny, I had a, a very um, <laughs> comical experience happen to me a few weeks ago, just when the book was launching and everything was exploding. And I actually was fortunate enough to have my photo on Times Square billboard, which was huge. That's Anyhow, cool. It was very cool. But but now you're going to understand why I share that. I get an email out of nowhere that just said, Dear Susan, I saw you speak a year ago at, and I won't name the conference, and by the way, I'm working on my MBA and I want to pick your brain. Thank you very much. Do you have time? Okay. First of all, for your listeners, erase pick your brain from your... There's so many better ways to say that. Two, read the room. All she had to do was either look at my Twitter feed, look at my LinkedIn, look at my Facebook, look at my Instagram. Okay. Google me. And all she had to do was say, dear Susan... I understand you just launched a book. Is there anything I can be doing to be helpful to you? And oh, by the way, I saw you speak last year. I'd love when things settle down, if you have 10 minutes to guide me on. Do you know what a different approach, I mean, how that would have resonated with me? And again, I'm not this all important whatever. It's just to me, we have the tools to do the research before we ask anything of anyone I mean, I am old enough that back in the day when I had to research if I needed to ask someone something, I used I had to use the yellow pages or the Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica, right? I, I mean, remember you, that. But now, my goodness, you can find out if people have grandchildren by looking at their Instagram handle, right? I mean, there has to be a point of commonality or something because it is there is no excuse anymore. So, I mean, your, your listeners are entrepreneurs, they're coaches, they're this and that. This should be the first thing that they do before they reach out to anybody is just, quote unquote, read the room, do a little digging, find out a little nugget about the person that you can then relate to and maybe offer up some semblance, you know, of an intro to someone else who might be helpful to them or, you know, uh, uh, something, just something. <laughs> I love that. I think read the room. It's like, go yes. do a little bit of research, Facebook, yes. Instagram, LinkedIn, easy. Yeah. No, I mean, hello. <laughs> right. Anyhow, I, I did, Great I couldn't point. help myself, but I wrote her back and I said, is it okay if I offer you con- some constructive feedback? <laughs> oh, that was- and- that's I, I know, like that. I know, I know. Well, I wouldn't have done it if she hadn't said yes. Yeah, and she then I didn't very, yeah. yeah, but I, I very kindly, in an, you know, I have no idea if she'll take the advice, but I just, to me, it was too opportune. Like it was like somebody fed this up to me for my book launch. <laughs> That's perfect. I would have taken a snapshot of that, saved it, and would have um, gone and bought your book. I would have been like, yes, I well, love this. 
Exactly. And, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to pick on this poor young woman, but what a, what a teachable moment, right? It is. Exactly. All right. On that note, yes. you talk, your whole book is, is you said, I want to make it tweetable right before we started. Something yeah. <laughs> easy to remember, something yeah. that people won't forget. And, and it really is very easy to remember. It's gather, ask, do. Can you... Yes. Can you tell me what that is in your mind? Of course, of course. course. And I have to say, we are at such a right moment to utilize Gather, Ask, Do. And I'll explain why in a minute. Yes. Okay. Gather, first and foremost, you need to look inside and ask yourself, what is a meaningful connection to you? Okay. Very different. Everybody has a different take on that. But Mm -hmm. before you do anything, what is it? Next. What is the community that you want to build around you that is going to help you meet whatever goals are important to you in the next four years, four months, four weeks, for God's sakes, okay? Because you want to be very intentional about that community. Third, when you're thinking about that community, what are the steps you're going to take to help make that community not look like you, sound like you, the same age as you? And last but not least, What is your secret sauce? What is your chief differentiating factor that you actually can bring to that community so that when you go to that community and you're seeking assistance, guidance, connection, you have something to offer up. And every single one of us has that. Okay, That's the gather. The ask component is not what you think. And that is, which is also important, by the way, but Instead of asking for what we need and what we want and what we deserve, which is is totally important, in this case, it's asking the right questions to elicit the deep, meaningful responses so you understand what's going on in someone else's head, what their goals and hopes and dreams are. Mm. So, okay. And then lastly, when you ask somebody those types of questions and you listen carefully, you then can move to the most magical part, and that's the do. And that's when you actually follow through and make connections, make introductions, be helpful, and voila, you become dependable, reliable, and the all-important trustworthy. So at the beginning of that, I made the mention that this time in particular could be a very valuable time to use this methodology. And I assure you, I mean, I guess I'm trying to sell books, but... In all reality speaking, we are in this unique space. I almost liken it to purgatory where we can see it, we can feel it, but we're not there yet, right? We know we are somewhat going to be coming out, not all of a sudden, not suddenly, not zero to 60, but we are in some ways going to have some sense of normalcy. What that normalcy is, I don't know. But what a perfect opportunity to look inside ourselves and actually think about what is that community that is is going to help us meet our goals, whether you're 22 and just graduating college or approaching retirement or mid-career and looking for the next job. I mean, this is a really healthy time to do that. That's a really great way to approach it. I think just if you go through that process, I just envisioned it like in a flow chart, by the way, when you were talking. <laughs> I and, love that. And the do part, you're really identifying how you can serve better at the end it's yeah. like okay i've got it yeah. now i now i can take action yeah yeah but i i want to also make the caveat this isn't about not helping yourself right um you know many of us have been known to be over helpful and not helping ourselves this is mm. actually being very intentional about helping others in a way that comes back to help us because i think as we discussed earlier in the conversation it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to ask for help when you're being helpful yourself. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. It reminded me of, I have it here. Your father said something here. I took note. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> don't, Why do you remember? It says, don't wait until you need a favor to do one for someone Ex- else. Exactly. exactly. And that, I thought, I wrote that down. I was like, oh, I, I love that one. That's really good. Amazing, yeah, amazing advice. I mean, it's common sense, right? I mean, yeah, but somehow but... we, when we, you know, the early years when we're taught about networking, notice I'm calling it connecting and not networking. 
It's yeah. like when we're taught in network, it's 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 a very much give me, give me, give me, get, get, get. And the, the you know, when you leave those, it's kind of like eating a bag of Cheetos, right? You're you're you know, they may taste good initially, but then you're like, wait, what if wait, am I full? Am I, you know, <laughs> like right? So and you compare that to having, you know, I, I say go with a power of three where you when you walk into a room, whether it's a Zoom room or a, a, a an actual real room when we're back is, you know, meet three people, learn three things and share three things. You know, um, that to me sounds much more meaningful than grabbing 20 business cards and then maybe connecting with 15 of them on LinkedIn and then not having any idea what their names are. Okay, you see the Cheeto analogy. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I mean, I, I love licking my fingers after I'm finished with Cheetos, but yeah, I get your analogy yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. All right, so I love that that the power of three. That's really cool. Very good. I took notes on that. So then let's dive into creating meaningful business connections. Yes. How, how have you done that over the years? Sure. Sure. Well, honestly, it has been this methodology. I just had never a name for it. And it really, really, I mean, listening is by far the most important thing. And it's, I learned a lot researching for the book, how pathetic we are at listening. Um, I mean, and I have to say this past year has been extraordinarily challenging for all of us because my God, you know, it's one thing when you're in a room full of people, but when you're sitting in front of your computer and you have your email flying and you have your, your tweet deck and your Instagram and your WhatsApp and the phone ringing and, you know, your kids and your dogs, you know, it's a lot. So, I mean, at learning the art of listening, um, and I am not a listening expert, but, you know, what I have done over the last 15 years is always carry a notepad around with me. And I have no qualm asking someone to repeat themselves because I do find myself dozing off or thinking about mm. what I'm going to have for lunch that day. And sometimes I need to ratchet it back and be like, wait, Tristan, can you repeat yourself? And, you know, and there's not there's not a that, that, there's no disrespect there. It's actually respectful. But um, in the book I talk, I cite Dr. Julian Treasure's research. He's done a number yes. of TED Talks, and I would highly recommend people because honestly, if we're ever going to get to the do phase of the after ask, you have to be listening because you have to listen to those tips that people are dropping. Well, and, on on that, yeah. on yes. the Julian Treasure TED Talk, you mentioned that he went over uh, Raza, which was receive, appreciate, summarize, ask. Yes. And and I hadn't, I actually had, hadn't watch that. You prompted me to go and turn it on on YouTube. I was like, oh, this is cool. (laughs) So on that, what can we learn from receive, appreciate, summarize, ask? How have you used that? Well, there's no greater gift that we can give one another is reminding them that we've seen and heard them. And I have made it a almost religious uh, act, although I'm not religious myself, after I meet people, I respond very quickly because I know it'll be really easy just to move on to the next thing and forget about it. And yeah. I am mindful if I don't do it right away, I write it down so that I do it within a few days. And I mm. respond to the person that I met with a reminder of some kernel of what we talked about. Okay. Whether it's the fact that they absolutely love spicy hummus and I happen to know a place in Malibu that has great hummus, although I don't, but I could ask Brent, my friend. Um, or it could be uh, the person mentioned that um, she wanted to get to start looking at potentially serving on a nonprofit board. And mm. I would remind her that I heard that and that I would start to keep her in mind. And if she would be so kind to send me a bio so that I could actually keep it on hand. Do you understand? Like I, I go to the fact of, of reiterating some point of the conversation mm-hmm. and, and it sounds like I'm like this ridiculously manipulative person. I, I do it because it is a, the right thing to do and it's extraordinarily human. And that is where you start. I mean, none of, none of this is overnight, right? I mean, building relationships takes time. It is something that you invest time in. And I hate to use the analogy because it sounds kind of trite, but you know, when you plant seeds in the garden, they don't do well unless you take care of them. Mm-hmm. Nurture. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's so good. All right. So on the listening part, because yes. we're, we're along those lines right now, you mentioned the Renaissance weekend and 
That reminded me a little bit of, I don't know if you've been on Clubhouse, but yeah. it reminded me a little bit of that where we can jump in and just listen and just observe, yeah. jump between sessions. Yeah. Can you expand on, on the Renaissance Weekend a sure. little bit and what that's about? Well, the Renaissance Weekend was originally founded to bring people together from all walks of life, right? That normally wouldn't have the opportunity to do that, okay? You know, people in politics wouldn't necessarily meet people who were in music, who wouldn't necessarily meet people who were in academia, who wouldn't necessarily meet people in business. And the executive director who I interviewed, Allie Gels, literally goes on listening tours so that she can actually find those types of people to add to the community, to add enriching um, data and, and be able to create these constellations of connections at the various weekends that they have, if, if that makes sense. And if that any totally of your, you know, sense. yeah, I mean, if any of your audience has interest, you can go to the Renaissance weekend, um, websites and find out there's, I mean, they've been on pause, obviously, or hiatus for this past year, but I'm sure hopefully in 2022, they'll be able to, to gather back up and, and they run over long holiday weekends. Um, but the goal is everybody, you don't come with your title. You come with what you're passionate about. All right. I like that. I like being able to connect with people from different walks of life. Kind of like what you were saying, when you jump into a new place, you go and see what's out there that's different, right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So uh, as we grow these relationships, are there things that we should have in mind before we meet certain people like, or, or, or we have just regular meetups for the first time in general? I think you have to go back to what is your own personal goal? What are you okay. wanting to accomplish? Okay. I mean, Probably. I'm all for just meeting to meet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and, and I have, I have often said it was probably 15 or so years ago that I decided to do away with work Susan and home Susan, because mm -hmm. quite frankly, it's exhausting being two people. And it was a lot easier just being the same person. Yes. <laughs> um, does that mean I go and, you know, open up all my dirty laundry professionally? No, it just means that, you know, the, the human I carry around with is one in the same. Um, and I have to say, you know, back to, I think a little bit what I was alluding to earlier when you have the opportunity to meet people or when you are going to an event, whether it's a Zoom event or a, an in-person event, we have the tools to know who is going to be in the room for the most part. And yeah. if there are people that you want to engage with, do your homework, do a little Googling, find out a little bit about them so that when you talk to them, you can actually present data that you've already established. I mean, I don't mean like stalk them, but, you know. <laughs> Go so far as be able to say to them, I understand you won this XYZ award a few months ago. Congratulations. I mean, that's a gift we can give one another. I see that. I agree. Okay. I definitely agree with that, which comes from the point of of your question that you said we should always be looking to ask is how yeah. can I help? Right. 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 And, and, you know, once you establish that baseline, you can have a much more meaningful conversation because you've already established a bit of trust. But then I think it is totally fine to say, you know, what's keeping you up at night these days? And good Lord knows, everybody is suffering right now. Okay? I mean, you know, and, and some obviously much worse than others. But yeah. for the most part, this has been a collective national global grief session. It really has. It really has. And it's really opened it up to, to being able to connect in some cases with people deeper, even though yes. from one of your, from one of the research uh, sections that you you said, hey, look, did you know that from this year to this year? I don't know where it was, but you said we're actually connected to people less and we feel like we're all alone. I thought that was a big surprise. And I was going to bring that up, but let me see if I found it. Cigna, it was a Cigna survey. It showed that 46% of adults in the US sometimes feel alone and 54% said they always or sometimes feel like no one knows them well. Oh. I was a shock. I read that to my 14-year-old yeah. daughter, and she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably a good dad, so she probably doesn't feel alone. <laughs> Nuts. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we, we've had, we, I mean, there was a, a loneliness epidemic in this country long before the pandemic, and it isn't just people of age. I mean, definitely young people. And, and I, I, I do blame part of it on this over-reliance on our, you know, on our technology and our clicks and likes, et cetera. But I do think this past year, 
yes, all we've had is the clicks and likes, but we have been so much more intentional when we have been in rooms. And, you know, I often cite the Zoom um, chat bar, which, Mm -hmm. you know what, has really opened up the opportunity to have meaningful engagement with colleagues in meetings that we never could have done before. Because when you would be in a boardroom or, you know, the, the, the 19 meetings you'd be in all day, you can't have a conversation while somebody's talking. I mean, you can, but you might get in trouble, right? <laughs> That's true. But in a chat, in the chat session, you can reach out and say, Charlie, how are you? Is there anything you need? Or mm. Linda, I'm fairly new at this company. You know, would you have five minutes next week? Because I'd love to learn more about your role and what I can be doing to be helpful to you. Ooh, yeah, that, that's good. I love that. And I, I think that's, <laughs> well, that's always coming from the mindset that you have, which is, yeah. you know, how can I help? A lot of people just go into things without really thinking. I need, that. I want. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, am the, I mean, I need and I want. But the yeah. goal is, is if you're helpful first, chances are you're going to get a little bit easier what you need and what you want. That's At very least true. in practice. No, and, and that's true. When you interviewed um, Danzinger, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing Susan her Danziger, name right. yes. There you go. Uh, she gave you two ways to execute how can I help. And I thought that was a little, it, it spoke to me because I'm more of the introvert, right? So can you go over that? How you know what? I am spacing on exactly what she said. So would you be so kind to remind me and shame on me? And I love don't, her. Don't even worry about it. I actually put the page number on here just in case. <laughs> uh, it was first. That says author. Some, some, don't, don't worry. Come on. You wrote a, a hundred plus page book, please. 224 pages. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she says, first, some people are innate givers. And for yeah. them, the notion of how can I help? will likely emerge organically. But for others who aren't necessarily aligned with that mindset, you can be a bit more strategic establishing yourself as someone who convenes stakeholders, key influencers, and interesting individuals. Those offer you the ability to meet the people you want and give you that credibility that you established. So I thought that was super key because it really went along with the art of of creating these relationships that I think is, is clear once you read the book that your parents had, right? Even though yeah. they approached it a little bit differently, it was an art of connecting yeah. with people. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's beautiful. So that has a deep influence on on this book, on who you are. What would you say that if if you could look now and say, wow, these these are things that I'm definitely using from when I from when I was a kid that I learned from my parents, what would those be, do you think? Well, I mean, this sounds extraordinarily overused, but don't burn bridges, okay? Um, one of the reasons, I was at PR Newswire for seven years, and then I left for five years, and I was able to be welcomed back to open arms because I didn't leave, you know, I left with graciousness, okay? And, you know, we, we called them boomerangs. But you always want to be able to be a boomerang, right? You, you, I mean, unless, of course, the place is so toxic, you, you don't like want that. to run, run for the hills. But, you know, you always want to be welcomed back, um, you know, and, and I think it is, it comes down to treating people with respect and dignity and making sure that you see everyone. I think another thing I learned from them is every single person deserves our attention, okay, regardless if you think oh. they can be helpful or not. All right. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be just people who we think or perceive that can get us ahead. Okay. How do we? All right. So that that's really important. So for those of you listening in, think about what she just said, because so often we go into these rooms and we see some people just gravitate to who they feel are the most important people. And it's almost like you're ignored completely. Mm-hmm. Right. And that mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. a good feeling that that you have. And so how do we, how can we practice that, Susan? Because I know that's, that as I'm just going to say, as being human, me, I have a challenge with that sometimes, right? Because I'm thinking of me. I'm thinking of me. We all do. We all do. But I will tell you the way to think of it is we don't know what we don't know. And every single person has a story. Every single person has something to offer. And every single person is connected to somebody else. One of the powerful pieces of research I learned in the book while researching the book is 
People we never even meet have influence in our lives through the other people that know them. So what that tells me is there is never an end, right? You're never going to just stop, like reach that point where you don't need to meet other people, right? Because we, if we live in a world where we're learning and being curious, and again, I realize there are lots of people that will never be, and this book is not for them. <laughs> but this yeah. notion is we just don't know what we don't know. And, you know, I mentioned to you Brant Anderson, who lives in your town, Malibu, and mm-hmm. it's a perfect example of how I could have used my own assumptions to not say yes to something because I thought, eh, this isn't worth anything. And instead, I actually, I'm going to say, took the bait and said yes. And all sorts of magic ensued because of that. And I'm, I'm happy to tell the quick story to your, tell me. To your listeners. Tell me. I love stories. Because, well, I just think this, this, this is a very teachable moment. Um, in 2017, I received an email from a, a friend. I mean, you know, not a, not a bestie, but a good friend. And it said, Susan, my friend Brant, who's a filmmaker, wants to get into a refugee camp tomorrow in Greece. Now, for your audience, to, to, to th- th- there is a connection here. Um, one of the boards I serve on is the UN or the U.S. arm of the U.N. High Commission for Refugees. So okay. I've been actively involved in advocacy and fundraising for refugee causes for the last six years. Well, at this point, three years. And. I looked at the email and I thought to myself, oh, God, the world does not need yet another documentary film about refugees that no one will see. And I'm really busy. The emails are flying. You know, I have my company that I run, phones Mm -hmm. ringing. But I had like seven minutes and I thought, you know what, just make a few phone calls. Lo and behold, I was able to get him into the camp the next day. I learned a week later that... He wasn't, quote unquote, a documentary filmmaker. He was a big budget Hollywood filmmaker that produced a number of Tom Cruise's films. And that experience was life changing to him. It was so, so life changing to him that a few months later, when a friend reached out to me and said, Susan, do you happen to know a filmmaker or two that could go and spend two weeks on the Syrian border and teach Syrian youth who have escaped from Syria? how to make films to tell their stories. Well, guess what? I had the person. And not only did Brandt say yes, he brought seven Hollywood filmmakers with him. And they spent two two weeks at the Azraq camp, the refugee camp, working diligently with these Syrian youth to help them learn how to make films and tell their stories so the world could find out the harrowing journeys that they had been through. There's more. Because of that, Epic Foundation, a major, major foundation, created an, a film academy that now exists at that refugee camp. And there's more. He went on to fund millions of dollars for UNICEF, UNHCR, CARE. And wait, there's more. He created a narrative feature film that Angelina Jolie saw and was so enamored with that she has been taking it around the world so that world leaders can see this and get a better understanding of the refugee crisis, which is still very much, Whoa. even you know, even though we're mired in COVID and all sort and, and, and a racial reckoning and everything, there are still 88 million displaced people on this planet. So think about this, that email that day. I am not by any stretch of the imagination taking credit for all of what happened, but I could have easily said, you know what, I'm too busy. Or you know what, nobody needs a documentary film about refugees. Mm. You see, the, 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 what was playing in my mind was so wrong. And so, like, not correct. So I tell that story, and it's completely 100% true. In fact, you should, I can give you Brant's address. You can knock on his door and ask him. <laughs> uh, I'll connect by in, email. I'll yeah, connect by email. Like, hey, bro. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So you bring up, there's a lot of things in there. And the one that stands out for me is the ability uh, for you to be able to pause for a moment and actually think through this. And say, okay, I'll do it. How do you, how do you work on maintaining that mindset as much as you can, so you're open to your curiosities rather than saying, no, that's not going to work, or no, what the hell is this, or that's not for me. How do you maintain that curiosity? I think because the magic of what happens, right? The magic that has happened over my life that has led me to, you know 
it's the same magic that take that leads you to go on journeys or to go on trips and to go on travels, right? You don't know what's on the other side. That's half the magic. If we knew exactly what was going to be at the destination, I mean, yes, maybe, of course, you know, we know when we get to Hawaii, it's beautiful, there's beaches, yeah. there's a reason to go. But I mean, think about it. Like most of the magic that happens in your life is usually serendipitous, right? So yeah. I take it out as every person I meet is an opportunity to learn something new, to experience something new, and to learn something about myself. Mm. And, you know, I'm often asked, you know, how, isn't this exhausting? How do you keep this up? But Tristan, the more people you meet, the more you can tap when you need something or to help others. I'm not the one who's helping all the people, right? I mean, yeah. when, when I was asked to help Brant, I made a phone call and somebody else helped him. Yeah, that's true. You just connected, right? Yes. That's, yes. And, that, and that's why they call you the serial connector. <laughs> <laughs> but we all can do this. It's not rocket science. It's just, it's just a little bit of a step up, right? It's, just, it's a little bit more about asking the right questions so you can know how you can be helpful rather that, than walking through life assuming everything. Asking the right questions, is that really the key to, to creating the right environment to make those optimal connections? Well, you can't, you'll never get there if you don't ask the right questions. How do you get to say, hey, oh, you know what? I want to ask better questions. I want to do this. Because a lot of the times your ego gets in the way, you know, our, our ego in general, and say, yeah. well, I just want to get to the point. Can you help me? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and chances are 80% of the time people will say no, <laughs> because there's nothing there, there, unless you're lucky. And, or maybe, you know, you uh, again, I, I shouldn't be so uh, uh, immediate to, 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 to say, I mean, people, yes, people want to help. People do want to be helpful. Most people, but you're going to have a lot better chance of getting to the yes. If you do a little bit of the work ahead of time. So, um, I also think, you know, learning to, and this may be important for people, you know, in early in their career, but also later is asking the right questions so that you're getting beyond what did you eat for lunch or, you know, what's the weather in Cleveland? So that mm -hmm. again, you can learn just a little bit more about that person so that when and if you need something or somebody else needs something, you have a bit more ground from mm. which to then go and, 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 and dig, I guess, for, for lack of better analogies. That's interesting because now that you're, you're saying it like that, I can see why asking that first question how can I help? Really opens it all up to this. Yes. And very, I very mean, good. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's always going to be people that think there's an ulterior motive. Okay. Yeah, always. I've had that always. And, you know, there's two things you can do. You can choose to engage or you can't. I mean, and, and you know, you can't force people if, if they don't want to be helped or they don't need help. That's great, too. That's um, true. You know, but, that's, but that's I, wouldn't take, I wouldn't take insult from that. All right. I agree. Now, you mentioned FOMO, and that caught my attention because I have a, a little secret group with friends called FOMO, or Fear of Missing Aww. Out. And I thought I it was that. cool. But you also mentioned JOMO. And yeah. I've never yeah. I've never heard of that. And well. I was like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> Can you tell us about JOMO? Sure. Well, it was partly my way of dealing with my own FOMO. And, you know, I had FOMO long before, you know, the Instagram world where you would see all the parties you were invited to. I mean, I had FOMO <laughs> in high school, right? When you would find out on Monday when you came back after the weekend that you missed all the parties. True. Um, but it really, JOMO came out of um, the early 90s, actually, when I was in Orange County working for PR Newswire. And um, we, nobody knew who PR Newswire was. And it, it, we were known on the East Coast, but we weren't known on the West Coast. And I was charged with changing that in Orange County. But I wasn't getting invited to any of the business functions, any of the lunches, anything. So I decided I was going to flip. And at the time, we didn't call it FOMO. But I decided I was going to actually just create a gathering of people who worked in public relations. But I only knew like four people. So what I did was I invited four people and asked each of them to bring one, one colleague or one connection. And within two or three months, we had 100 people. And within six months, wow. it was the place for people in PR in Orange County. And I'll tell you a funny story. That's Just so yesterday cool. on my Facebook um, feed, the fella who ran the Business Wire territory, which was my competitor, wrote me and said, you are already running circles around me. 
all the way back in 1992. And that became, that came from Jomo. That came from, and I think it's important for people who are introverts because it isn't about inviting 50 people. I invited four and then each person brought somebody and it grew organically. Got it. All right. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert or somewhere? What do you, what do you think? I think you're an extrovert, but I could, I could be wrong. You could be deceiving me. <laughs> well, I will tell you a couple of things. I got a D in conduct in fifth grade. And I thought, <laughs> I thought my life was over. I really did. I thought I'm never, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to pass elementary school. I was hard. I mean, I, I, I remember just the shame. Um, luckily, you know, my father, who again, as a professor thought it was actually funny. Um, so, so I didn't, I didn't get in trouble, although it did really look weird to see that big fat D on a report card that had mostly A's and B's. Right. Um, yeah. anyhow, um, but no, I, 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 I fantasize about being an introvert, but it just, it just wasn't in the cards. Um, That's so and, funny. Well, it is, but it's been very hard for me this past year. I mean, I will tell you, I wasn't meant to be alone for 12 months. And, you know, I don't have children. I don't have a significant other and I don't have parents. Um, thankfully, I have a very social dog. And we <laughs> together since September have walked about 1500 miles, um, which I is partly that. neurotic. But the good news is, is because she is so conversational, she doesn't talk, but she kisses everyone. That has, in, that has led me to have conversations with complete strangers, which has also kept me grounded to my community. I love that. I mean, your dog is probably in shape now. That's that's good. All right. So let's talk about communities really quick, because you mentioned you brought up communities and you brought up somebody named Gina Bianchini. Yes. Who who started a company called Mighty Networks. By the way, that's what Success Enterprises is using for their communities. Which is cool. Tell me about building communities and what you learned from her and what you've learned just in general. Well, I mean, from her, I just learned how to, you know, I mean, talk about productized it, right? I mean, talk about if anybody ever needed to understand that there is business to be made in making connections, it's Gina Bianchini. Um, and boy, you know, I mean, she created Ning. I mean, she created obviously Mighty Networks. And now this, I mean, you know, everyone can self community with her platform. It's, it's incredible. So to me, if anything, it was like a master stamp that this is actually a real life business acumen, right? I mean, what mm. I think for years I thought was just kind of a nice little thing to have and say, I'm a serial connector. I will tell you my company, which was founded eight years ago, 98% of our business has been inbound. There's wow. a reason for that. And it is not in my twenties and thirties that I thought, Oh, I'm meeting you now, but in 25 years, I'm going to ask you to buy from me. I had no idea. Okay. This was never part of the, so the point being is if anybody didn't think it was worthwhile, I mean, it's personally, it's very worthwhile, but if you, Mm -hmm. you didn't realize how valuable this is professionally, and if you are running a company, it is, it is the greatest gift you can give to your employees as well as to yourself to help spark connection. Because they will be more productive, they will be more reliable, they will be more responsive, they will be more likely to stay at the company, mm-hmm. and they'll be more innovative if they are meaningfully connected, connecting with one another. All right, Susan, so how does your company help out other businesses or just people sure. in general? Sure. Well, we're tiny. I mean, I, you know, I'm about to hire our, our, our 13th employee. Um, we help the, communi- the communications of impact. So when companies are stepping up on their, you know, uh, reduction in environmental carbon footprint, when they are funding a cause, when they are stepping up to, um, you know, protect voter rights, when they are speaking out against um, gun violence in this country, we help them communicate that to the audiences that they want to communicate to. So it could be in some cases their internal employees. So, you know, we've worked over the years with Salesforce and Dell, um, and sometimes actually on their internal communications. Mm-hmm. Um, other ways, it could be through traditional earned media and public relations, but it always has that that lens of social impact. Mm, I love that. All right. Thank you. Last question here for you, unless I come up with one as you're answering this one, okay? Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh, okay. My favorite part of your book was a, was a very small section because I laughed out loud. 
Oh, no. And it was when you said, connect with fountains, not drains. Yeah. <laughs> you, made me, you made me laugh because one of my friends, one of my friends, Tom Ferry, he runs a, a, a massive coaching organization. He calls those people energy vampires, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, I, how do you connect with fountains more and avoid those drains? Wow. First of all, as you get older, you get smarter. <laughs> and I mean, and you know, those people that are takers, there's always going to be takers, takers, takers. And I have found that the best way is to be direct and say to a taker, you know what? I can't be helpful to you now because I have given these three things and move on. Okay. I mean, it is so much better. You help everyone by being direct. But I will say for those of you who aren't as comfortable being a connector, find the connector in the room, find the fountain and glom on because it's a little like, you know, when we think of drafting and a bike, you Mm -hmm. will benefit. It's a little like having a wing woman or a wing man or, you know, a wing person, Ah, right? Okay. So, I mean, that is is a bit of the analogy. Um, I I don't have a secret sauce for staying away from toxic people because somehow (laughs) in my life, I've definitely attracted them, but it's also part of life. (laughs) We all have. We all avoid them on social media, right? Exactly. Nuts, nuts. All right. (laughs) So you've got this great book out, The Lost Art of Connecting. It's already out. Go pick it up. If you've got a business, buy a whole bunch of them for your business. I've already ordered 10 of them for my team that I have. So this is a great Thank book. Thank you. I Thank you for doing this. Tristan, this was a delight. And please, anything I can be doing to help you, to help success, to help your, your clients, um, please don't be a stranger. Thank you. Thank you so much. And follow her on social media. We'll put up all of those links after. Thank you, Susan. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Tristan. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.